Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 190, and I'm talking with Charlotte Perdue. Charlotte is a British runner who just ran at the London Marathon, a 225-38 marathon. She placed 10th at that race and also became the third fastest British female marathoner of all time. That's legit. In this episode, Charlotte talks with us about her career path and she wanted to make the Olympic team in 2012 and 2016 and missed out barely. She explains all those circumstances to us. So I really think 2020 is the year for Charlotte. The way in which they select the team in the UK is different than over here in the United States. And she explains all that in the episode. I was also fascinated to hear about sponsorship and running collegiately over in the UK and what all that looks like. Charlotte is super kind. She's super fierce. And if you aren't already following her, don't know who she is, it's time to do it. You can find her on Instagram. She's Charlotte Perdue over there. All right, friends, very excited to announce a training program I'm doing here in Indianapolis in collaboration with Athletic Annex. We're going to be meeting every Thursday leading up to the monumental half and full marathon. And we'll start Thursday, July 25th. So we'll meet every Thursday at 6.30 p.m. We'll do a run on the Monon. We're partnering with St. Vincent on this. So we're going to have great injury prevention talks and screenings, all kinds of great stuff with this program. We just had a pacer meeting last night and we've got eight really great pacers who are going to be at every single run to help guide people and help give you support. You do not need to be intimidated to come to this group. It doesn't matter how slow you are. It doesn't matter how fast you are. The whole point of this group is to create accountability, camaraderie, friendships, and community. And I'm so excited to be doing it. I haven't done an in-person physical training program in quite a while. So I'm really pumped about this. So head over to the show notes at lindsayhine.com to register for that. Do it, do it, do it. It's going to be great. With your registration, you get a team shirt. First 100 people will get an athletic annex trucker hat, uh, detailed training plan, great coaches, private Facebook group, all kinds of great stuff involved in that training program. The other thing I have going on, if you can't participate locally, you can participate virtually. And I've got half marathon and full marathon training plans for you if you want to participate virtually. And then you'll also have access to that private Facebook group that we've created as well, where you'll have access to coaches and you'll get the team shirt as well. So head over to lindsayhine.com, check out what I'm talking about with either the in-person or the virtual training. I'm pumped about it, but I'm also kind of nervous if I'm being honest, because anytime you put something out there to the world that you haven't done before or that's new to you or it's a little bit different than something you've done in the past, it's just a little bit nerve wracking because you wonder, will anybody sign up? Will anybody like it? But you put yourself out there anyway because it's something you believe in and it's something that you're excited about. So that's what I decided to do. So anyway, friends, head over to lindsayhine.com for more information. And if you aren't already following me on social media, uh, make sure you're doing that because that's where I post all these updates as well. I'm lindsayhine626 on Instagram, lindsayhine on Twitter, and I'll have another podcast with lindsayhine on Facebook. All right, friends. Enjoy my conversation with 225 marathoner, Charlotte Perdue. Today on the podcast, I'm so honored and excited to talk with Charlotte Perdue. Welcome to the podcast, Charlotte. 
Hey, thank you. So we're talking to someone who recently placed 10th at the London Marathon. Congratulations on that. Thanks. Yeah, I was really happy with the result there. Um, yeah, it was good. 225.38, that's a PR? Yep, exactly. Yeah, uh, I got four minute, um, we call it a PV. <laughs> oh, I yes. Got a four minute, <laughs> I got a four minute PV. Um, so yeah, that was obviously, yeah, a really good result for me. You know, people in the U.S. also call it a PB. I don't know. I think that my uh, me saying PR comes from the term we used when I ran cross country in high school. But I do hear some people here also saying PB as well. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I just thought all Americans said PR. But um, yeah, we always say PB over here. But yeah, <laughs> it's the same thing. So there's a really popular training group here. I live in Indiana, Indianapolis, Indiana. And there's a popular training group here actually called personal best training. So, Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Charlotte, I, so I found you via Instagram and, uh, I want to make sure everybody, all of our listeners get to know you a little bit before we dive into your running career so much and just this really awesome performance you had in London. So can you just share with us a little bit, uh, where you grew up and how you kind of fell in love with running? Yeah, sure. Um, so I grew up in Hampshire, uh, which is um, in England. And yeah, I started running at, at school. So it would have um, been about age 13. Uh, my friends basically signed me up for a cross country with the school. Um, I didn't know anything about it till I returned from lunch break and my name was on the on the list and they told me I was doing cross country in an hour so I had to get ready (laughs) yeah I'd never run before at all I did all sports at school like swimming tennis netball but I wasn't ever very good at any of them I just did them for the school really just for fun um and then yeah I did this cross country and I came I think sixth in my year group so it wasn't even that good uh and then the top six actually went and represented the school at another competition so I got selected to represent my school and at the competition that I was at, my first coach um, came up to me at the end of the race. I think I was 16th in the cross country. And he said, oh, I watched you. You started off really far back and you came through the field and you look like you've got a great running style and talent. Um, why don't you come along to my running club? So, yeah, I went back home and I told my mom and she was like, why don't you just go and see if you like it? So I thought, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. So I went and then, yeah, I really liked it. And then I started going more often and then I started competing for the club and it just took it from there, really. It just, yeah. And you're a marathoner now. Yes. So you've done six marathons now. So talk to us about the progression leading up, you know, like obviously you're running in school. What, tell us about college too. What does that look like? Uh, yep. So I went to, um, again in England, we call it university. University. Yeah. But. I went to university in uh, Twickenham or Teddington, uh, one called St. Mary's. It's quite popular for running, actually. Um, So I basically went there because my coach, my first coach, he um, worked at the university. So it kind of made sense. I was going up there a lot for training weekends and stuff anyway. So I went there to do a degree, um, but also because of the running aspect, there was a good setup where all the runners lived together and we could train there and do our studies as well. But it was really easy to do. So, yeah, I went there and I competed for the university. And, yeah, ran for Great Britain. Um, 
and yeah I used to do the 10k and the 5k and cross country and then yeah I didn't move up to the marathon until 2016 was my first one um and I'd switch coaches as well in between there yeah your first marathon 232 yeah 232 48 it was at London um 2016 I was trying to make the Olympic team uh so I did my first one at London and the qualifying criteria was uh top two across the line was automatic if they had the time which was 231 for Great Britain okay obviously the IAAF time was 237 I believe for the Olympics so but I obviously had to run 231 because that was the British time um and yeah it was my first one so I didn't really know what to expect I just went into it trying to finish as high as I could in the British race and also to try and get close to that qualifying time um and yeah I finished third Brit and 232.48 so I didn't get picked (laughs) for the Olympics which yeah it was really kind of bittersweet because obviously it's my first marathon I was really happy with the time uh but to miss out on the Olympics was yeah really annoying (laughs) yeah so 2012 and 2016 you were kind yeah. of hopeful for the Olympics. With 2012, though, what distance were you shooting Yeah, for? so 2012, a similar thing happened. I was going for the 10K and the qualifying time, they had an A and a B standard. The A standard was 31.45 and the B standard was 32.10. Um, and two girls, uh, Joe Pavey and Julia Bleasdale, had both run uh, under 31.45. And I was in the third spot and I ran... 3203 at Peyton Jordan so I had the B standard but because of the criteria they could only take three on the A standard or one person on the B standard so they obviously chose to take the two on the A standard Mm. and the third spot was left open so yeah again (laughs) I was in the third spot um which yeah was also very annoying (laughs) is that so frustrating that like there's an open spot and you technically would be the third person in and they just don't take you yeah, it is because obviously in the US they have trials where it's top three across the line and yeah, if you've got the IAAF qualifier then that you'd get picked. So if I was in the US yeah. and it had been the circuit, yeah, I would have been a double Olympian now. So it Jeez. is very, yeah, it's so annoying because obviously I haven't been to Olympics. It's a huge goal of mine um, and I feel like I've missed out so close twice. Um, but yeah, I've got next year, so fingers crossed. Okay, so Um, tell us about what's going on there because obviously 2020 is in your sights. You just ran the 225.38. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I heard this somewhere, and I don't know for sure if it's right. Does that make you the third fastest Brit ever running at Marathon? uh, Yeah, it does. Yeah, so um, Paula Radcliffe. Obviously Paula. We got Paula. (laughs) Yeah, world record holder. Um, 2.15 and then second spot is Mara Yamuchi she's run 2.23 uh, she ran it in London as well um, I think 2013 or something like that but yeah she was obviously very successful and then yeah so now I'm third so wow. it's really cool <laughs> now but you mentioned in one of your post-race interviews that one of your training partners placed seventh in London so uh, she's not from the UK then no, so I joined Melbourne Track Club in 2014. Okay. Uh, so my coach is Nick Bedeau. Okay. And yes, I train with Australians. I go over there every year, January, February, March. And yeah, my training partner, Sinead Diver, was seventh in the London Marathon running 224. She actually led half the race. Oh, wow. Um, 
yeah so if anyone watched the footage she led the first half of the the race I think because it went out pretty slow and she wanted to run a time so she just went for it <laughs> so oh, she was leading till halfway yeah okay let's talk about London um because this is so interesting to me so you your coach tells you you can run a 225 based on uh, a workout that you did and you believe him, right? You're like, okay, I can do a 225. Yeah. But right before the race, they t- actually tell you that the 225 pacer is just sick and not going to be able to be there. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, it was very so crazy. <laughs> it was so crazy. It was just, yeah, it was mad. Uh, yeah. So we had the race meeting the night before and they said, these are the paces. There's a pace group going at 224, 225. And then there's a pace group at 228, 229. And I knew that I was going to go with the 224, 225 pacer um, based on, yeah, workouts I'd done. And I just knew I was in really good shape. So I thought I was going to go for it. And then in the race tent where all the elite athletes go before the race, there's all the pacers and all the athletes. And I said to my boyfriend, I said, oh, which one is my pacer? And he was looking around and he was like, oh, I think it's that one over there in the corner. And there was this um, African lady and she was sitting in the corner with a big puffer jacket on. And she just looked like everyone else is almost ready for the race, like done a warm up, getting ready, doing drills and stuff. And she was just sitting in the corner, um, like shaking her head and her manager was around her and a coach was around her. And I looked at Adam, my boyfriend, and I said, I hope that's not my paper. <laughs> and, he, and he like looked at me and laughed and was like, no, no, I'm sure it's not. And then he went out to find the race um, director and he came back in with him and said, oh, would you be able to just point out the 224, 225 paper so Charlotte knows who it is? And he looks over and he, he pointed over there at that pacer. And I was like, no. And so Adam went over to her and said, oh, are you okay? And she said, oh, I've got a really bad headache. I can't run. And Adam was a bit annoyed because he knew how much work obviously I'd put into the preparation and everything. And he said, please, can you just run to halfway? That will be a massive help. Um, we'll be really grateful. I just, it would be great if Charlotte could have someone to run with till halfway. And she was like, sorry, I can't run. Um, so then Adam looked at me and he said, you're you're on your own. Um, I was like, oh, God. Uh, so, yeah, on the start line, I didn't really know what I was going to do because I knew I was couldn't go with a 222 pace group. I think that was the one that Molly Huddle and Emily Sisson were going at. They were going to form their own group and go at 222 um, because there wasn't a 222 pacer they were just going to form their own group. So I knew I couldn't go with them. That would just be way too fast for me. So I just had the same idea as them in that I was going to go at my own pace and that was going to be 225 and it's going to try and run at 225 for as long as I can and then see what happens. Um, so I started off the race and that's exactly what I did. I just went at 225 and then as luck would have it, a pacer from another group, I don't know what group she was meant to be in. She started running alongside me and this Portuguese uh, girl who actually did finish ahead of me as well and she turned to the Portuguese girl and I think asked her what pace she wanted to run and this Portuguese girl said 224 225 and this random pacer just said okay and then she ran with us till uh, 28k Um, so we actually did have a pacer which was really lucky. (laughs) So was she, she was a pacer? She wasn't someone participating in the race? No, she was a pacer. So she was meant to be with one of the other groups. But, but they were going to a different, were they going too slow or something? I have absolutely no idea. Um, <laughs> I, tried to, I honestly tried to find her after the race. And, to talk to her about um, it? 
yeah to say thank you yeah. um, for helping us out and I was just really confused about how it came about because I don't know why she randomly decided to start helping us instead of going at the pace that she was meant to go at huh. but yeah it was it was literally like all the stars aligned and it was meant to happen um I don't know if she was told to help the British girl because I was wearing my British kit um so maybe she saw me and thought oh she's a British runner maybe I'll help her uh, I have literally no idea because after the race like I said I couldn't find her so I told the race organizers after what had happened because they said who was that pacer running with you we thought you didn't have a pacer and I said I didn't but this this girl and I told them her race number so they said they were going to get in contact with her and say thank you for helping out Charlotte but yeah it worked out it worked out well um so she ran to 28k and then after that I was just alone trying to pick off people in the race really yeah what is it like when so how long have you been coached by Nick um since 2014 so okay quite a while five years yeah yeah quite a while so what yeah. is when someone like that who you've been working with for so long who obviously you trust is like hey you're in shape for 225 even when you know like you might know you're in shape for 225 as well does him verbally saying that to you like lock in that confidence on race day yeah, so in Australia in January and February, I was training with Sinead and she had run 225 at Melbourne Marathon the year before. Um, and when I first got out to Australia, I could not keep up with her at all. She was way in front and smashing everything. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so far behind. I'm never going to get, because I really wanted to run 225 and I believe that I could run it before, but I just wasn't keeping up with Sinead. So I thought this is never going to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, and then in around March time, I was just starting to keep up a bit better in the long tempos and the workouts. I wasn't that far behind and I knew she was probably in faster than 225 shape because she'd already run 225. So she was obviously aiming for faster. Um, but yeah, the workouts I could compare to what she was doing before she ran 225 because she would tell me this is what I did and you're doing exactly what I did. So I, that gave me confidence that, oh yeah, she's, she has the same coach as me. She's done the same workouts and she's telling me that I can do it. So I knew in my mind that that gave me a lot of confidence that I could also do it. Um, so having her was, yeah, massive help as well. Yeah. Was it super windy? It was windy. Um, it's not the worst wind that I've ever run in. I've definitely had worse, but it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was perfect conditions. It was windy in the second half and yeah, the weather, the temperature was perfect, but the wind, yes, at some points it was a bit windy. But Do yeah. you, as a runner from the UK, do you follow American distance running, like the female American distance running scene? Yeah, 100%. Okay. I, always, I love the American distance women. I just think, yeah, you guys always crush it at the marathon and yeah, just there's so much depth over there. So I always feel like it's, yeah, inspiring to watch. And yeah, I love it. Okay. So let's talk about that a little bit because you, Emily Sisson is the only American that beat you in London. Yeah. Did you, I mean, when you're towing the line with people like that and you know, Molly Huddle was there, were you thinking like, okay, these women are like aligned with me and then you beat Molly Huddle, which, you know, Molly Huddle, at least over here in America, like she's pretty legendary. So yeah. did, did that, what did that feel like to you? And was that significant to you to beat someone like Molly Huddle? 
Uh, yeah, 100%, because obviously you look up to people like that and you know, I knew how she ran pace in Jordan. She got a really fast time and they were actually training in uh, Teddington where me and Sinead were training before, right before the race. They came over and they were running around Bushy Park, this park in Teddington that um, I always train around. So I saw them running around there and me and Sinead would, yeah, like wave at them and say Aww. hi. But <laughs> yeah, so um, it yeah, when I went past Molly in the race, I was definitely inspired, obviously, to run past her. Um, it was, yeah, it was kind of cool. <laughs> what what mile did you run past Molly at? Uh, I think it was around mile 24, so quite close to the end. I didn't actually know what position I was in because it's so hard to judge what position you're in. Yeah. Um, so I, I had no idea. I wanted to come in the top 10 because I knew that was a qualifier for the Olympics. Um, so when I went past Molly, I thought, well, this has to be kind of close to the top 10 because she wouldn't be that far out of the top 10. Her goal would obviously to be in the top 10 as well. So when I went past her, I thought, wow, this is, this is great. I must be in the top 10 now. So that was also a pretty cool feeling. Did, was she the last runner that you, female that you passed? Uh, no. So then in the last 600 meters, I actually passed Lynette Masai as well. Um, and I didn't know that she was 10th. So that oh, pushed wow. me into, <laughs> yeah, so that was lucky that pushed me into 10th. So yeah, definitely keep going for the line because <laughs> I had no idea that I was in 11th at that point. Yeah, you could have been ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th. You really didn't know. Exactly. So yeah, just, um, yeah, I passed her at 600 to go, I think. Um, and yeah, finished 10th. Man, that's kind of crazy to me though, as someone at your level running the London Marathon, not knowing what place you're in because obviously you're pretty far up but I mean I don't know how what kind of intel you would have had to to know to know but I mean that's like so much on the line there okay so then talk about that then because you said if you made top 10 that would qualify for you you for Olympic team what so where does that stand now what do you have to do what have you done how do we know if we will see Charlotte at the Olympics yeah, so they only recently just announced um, in the UK that uh, the London Marathon next year is an official trial for the um, Olympics, but they are also having a selection meeting, I believe, before Christmas, um, and they may pre-select um, some athletes there. So basically at London Marathon this year, I ran under the qualifying time, which is 229 20 I think and then also a top 10 finish in the IAAF major is also uh, counts as a qualifier so I've got two qualifiers now um, and I'm the only British woman to have any qualifiers so it <laughs> is good <laughs> that's obviously a good thing to have um, but yeah I just have to wait till before Christmas to find out if I get pre-selected and if I'm not pre-selected then I have to run London Marathon next year and finish in the top two for an automatic spot I've obviously already got the time from this year so the time I don't really have to worry about now but I'd have to probably run a quick time to finish in the top two anyway um, top and two then the British third, women yeah top two British and then the third spot is also a qualifying position but they use it as a discretionary spot so I guess if someone who's got a really fast time was sick or yeah they can put someone in there so it is effectively top three but they never say top three they say top two and then the third spot the selectors can decide who they put in um, unless anyone's pre-selected in um, yeah around Christmas time 
so I have to wait till then to find out so yeah <laughs> I, I have mean, no idea really I feel like it's I I don't want to like be crazy here but I feel like it's a pretty big shoe in it should be do you feel like that it should be I mean you probably can't you don't want to sound like conceited but come on yeah I do feel like it's a yeah a massive um <laughs> obviously being the third fastest British ever yeah um there's deal. only two British women that have run faster than me so um unless we have another Paula or another Mara out there then I think I'm pretty safe for next year um, but yeah, I never like to say because right. <laughs> obviously the last two Olympics haven't gone my way. So until I've actually officially been selected, I never like to say, oh, I'm going to be in the Olympics, but I'm hopeful. <laughs> Tell, so you do, you've done six marathons and your first was 2016. Yeah. That's a lot of marathons in those three years. What did yeah. that progression look like? So I ran London in 2016 and then obviously I didn't qualify for the Olympics, so I chose to run Berlin Marathon that, that autumn. Uh, but I actually got food poisoning at Berlin, so oh. I had to I had to drop out of the race. Um, and then there was Frankfurt Marathon that was a month later, so my coach put me in that. Um, and there I ran 2.30.04. Uh, so that was a big PB, a two-minute PB, um, which I was really happy about because that actually made me the fastest Brit that year so I beat the other the times of the other two British women that had gone to Rio um so that was pretty cool <laughs> to do that because then I was kind of like oh yeah I've progressed and yeah I've run a, a faster time so that was cool and then in 2017 I did London Marathon again and our second British woman um and yeah ran my PB which was 229.23 so I ran that and then that qualified me for the World Championships in London in 2017. Uh, and I did that and I finished 13th in the World Championships in 2017. Um, so that was a really good result because I was top European and top British. And I think I was second on African behind Amy Hastings, uh, Amy Craig. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, that was a really good result for me. And then... After that, I actually ran a third marathon that year um, in Japan. My coach just said to me, there's an opportunity for you to run um, a marathon in Japan in Saitama. Do you want to do it? And I th thought about it for a while and I thought, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. So I basically just went over there to do it for a race experience of racing a marathon in a different country um, in Japan because obviously the Olympics are going to be in Japan. So I thought, wow, this is going to be cool. And yeah, I didn't really train for it specifically. I just did 10K half marathon training and used the base that I already had. And yeah, I finished fourth in that marathon running 2.30. So it wasn't a super quick time, but it was just good to finish fourth in a, a major marathon and get experience of racing in Japan. Um, and then yeah, last year I didn't actually run any marathons because I got injured at the start of the year. So I had to miss London and then I got of a virus towards the end of the year so I had to drop out of the European champs which was really annoying so last year I felt like I got in good shape um but I didn't have a race to prove it so I think that's why this year seemed like such a big jump but it was actually kind of last year I should have run a quick time anyway yeah you had put the work in for that what was the virus yeah. that you got um so I actually had a bit of glandular fever oh gosh um, how do you get that yeah yeah, I think just 
being run down. Um, I was training at altitude and I was training really hard. And then I came down from altitude. I didn't feel right. Um, and I kept training and thinking, oh, I'll be okay. And then I had a load of blood tests done. And they said that I had had glandular fever in the last sort of two weeks. So I had to take a whole month off in September um, in the beginning of October. And basically, I just started from scratch after that just building back up again because yeah I had to be really careful not to overdo it because uh, my body had obviously been fighting this virus and I was really tired all the time and really fatigued so I had to build up really slowly uh, from that so yeah that was last year wasn't a good year for me yeah redemption in 2019 exactly yeah okay you're 28 so I feel like this is a really really good place to be like just ran a Big personal best, 225. You have so many years ahead of you. Uh, things are looking up for Tokyo yeah. 2020. So what, like, you're going to run, you're going to do a marathon. You're going to do in Doha in September. What, is that a world championships? Tell us, because I'm not positive. Yeah, so that's the IWF world champs in Doha um, in September. And start it starts in September, but goes into October. So it's kind of crossed both. Okay. We have to talk about this because we were chatting about this earlier, <laughs> and I think it's crazy. Um, two things going into it, though. One, how do you kind of transition from an April marathon and turn I mean, turning it around pretty quick to September, that seems pretty fast. And then, two, you have to tell everybody about how you race in, like, the middle of the night. <laughs> Yeah, so I took obviously a break after London Marathon. Uh, I took around two weeks off and then I just started building back up after that. And I've just started back into, I'd say, like proper normal training where I'm doing decent mileage again. Um, so I just took it a bit easy for a while. Um, touch wood, I didn't get any injuries or I pulled up pretty good from the London Marathon. So that was good. Um, and yeah, I've got about 13 weeks to the race. Um, so that's cool. But yeah, my, my race in Doha is, uh, starts at 11.59 PM. So on the 27th of September and then goes into the 28th of September. So I'll finish running about 2.30 AM, which, well, if I run two hours 30, but yeah, around 2.30 in the morning, the race will finish. So yeah, definitely a different experience. So they do that because of the heat. Yeah, I think so, because um, I heard it's going to be around 35 degrees even at midnight. So it would just be better for the athletes in the fact that the sun won't be out because we'll be racing in the dark. But yeah, they're doing it, I think, because the heat. Um, the track events are in a stadium which has air conditioning. But obviously on the road, you can't have air conditioning. So I think they put the marathon and the race walks in the evening. I mean, is that so weird, though? Because we're used to racing marathons at, like, you know, seven, eight, nine. I guess some of the big ones, like Boston, are a little bit later. Um, but, like, is that weird? Like, do you get up at a normal time? Do you take try to take a big nap during the day? Because normally you probably go to bed at, like, nine or ten. Yeah, I, I haven't really thought about the time difference because my main um, – thing is really the heat I just I need to prepare for the heat more than the time but yeah um midnight in Doha is I think around 10 p.m in the UK so I don't know if my coach would tell me to start running at 10 p.m or do a workout at 10 p.m sure to practice 
Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's more the eating schedule that will be hard to figure out because obviously do you have dinner or do you, right. do you just, what do you do um because I don't usually I usually wake up have breakfast and then do a marathon whereas I've never before had to have a whole day and then run a marathon so yeah it will be something different um yeah because like breakfast is like okay I know what I do I have my peanut butter toast whatever it is <laughs> and like it's not a lot of food but it's enough and you don't have this exactly. like whole day of like breakfast lunch and dinner yeah exactly and yeah, do I just have breakfast three times or right. <laughs> I haven't really I don't know what I'm gonna do yet. But yeah, I guess that's all I've got to figure out now in the training and yeah, the heat as well will be a huge factor. So I've gotta yeah, do some heat training as well. Okay, so what's the ultimate goal in Doha? Uh so last world championships I was thirteenth. Um so I would obviously love to get a lot higher than that. Um, based on the fact that I've run four minutes quicker than I had when I was 13th before. Um, so, yeah, basically just I'm not really worried about the time because I've got a good time behind me now from London. So I'll just be running it as a race and trying to finish as high as I, high as I can in the race. Hey friends, I want to break in real quick and thank a sponsor for this episode. One of my long-term sponsors who I appreciate and love so much Lily Trotters, the best compression sock out there if you're looking for a cute, comfortable, and breathable compression sock, check out Lily Trotters. And you guys can get 25% off your order when you go to lilytrotters.com and use the code ANOTHER. Go grab a pair for yourself, send a pair to a friend, make somebody's day, and also support this podcast by using the code ANOTHER. Thank you so much, Lily Trotters, for continuing to support this show. I have like five pair. You guys, they're great. You should have a pair. Again, that's lilytrotters.com and use the code ANOTHER. All right, friends, let's continue my conversation with Charlotte Purdue. Going into 2020, if you, if the, you are pre-selected for the Olympic team, yeah. will you then not run London? Yeah, so um, if you're pre-selected for the Olympics, uh, basically the reason behind it would be so that you can prepare better for Tokyo. So they yeah. actually state in the policy that you you're not allowed to run another marathon. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't run London next year. I would just focus on the Olympics, and yeah, I'd probably spend a bit longer in Australia maybe and do some shorter races. Um, I haven't obviously figured it out yet because I need to wait, but. Yeah, or the other alternative is probably do the same as I did this year and uh, run London again. But the turnaround between London and the Olympics isn't that long. So yeah. I'd, I'd have to figure that out as well. I think it's, yeah, it's a lot shorter because the World Championships obviously September, but the Olympics is the start of August. So it's not very long at all. Um, the London Marathon is always the last weekend in April. So it's really close. <laughs> Yeah, so potentially yeah. Doha could be your last marathon before the Olympics yeah, if you run the Olympics. Yeah, yes, exactly. Okay, okay. So your half marathon PR sixty nine forty six. Yeah. What distance do you prefer? Do you like the half or the full better? Uh, definitely the full. I feel like the half is so fast. <laughs> um, just the pace is so so fast. I'm always better on the longer workouts and stuff. Um. 
yeah it always takes me so long to get going <laughs> so a marathon for me is perfect because I, I always run better in the second half of the race yeah um, so yeah the half I do like the half but I just I find it too short now <laughs> did you uh negative split London um I didn't but I think my positive split was about 11 seconds so it was or something like that 14 seconds so I was really close to being the same <laughs> yes that's pretty darn even I think it was pretty even yeah I can't remember the exact but it was definitely not more than a minute that I was um a positive split so uh yeah I always like to run that way I, I just feel like I I don't know why I just always feel better in the second half yeah what what are some mental things you do when you feel moments of weakness in the marathon um I like to focus on getting to the next drink stop um and yeah just think about all the training that I've done because we do really long workouts as well. So that always prepares me for the race well. So I know that if I've done the work in training that the race should go well because there's no reason why it shouldn't unless something terrible happens in the race. Tell me what point in the marathon, because you know the first half of a marathon should be pretty like, not boring, but you know, like you should feel pretty decent. What point in the marathon do you start like, really working on a good day um I'd say around 30k it gets really hard so until 30k I feel comfortable but it's obviously always hard yeah yeah it's it's comfortable but around 30k it's yeah really like trying to grind it out when I get to 30 I'm like yeah this is it now this is like the last 12k gotta go for it um yeah it's really really tough after that I think at London Marathon this year I got to 30k and I was thinking oh my gosh I don't know if I've gone too fast too early but yeah I was just focused I didn't really look at my watch the Garmin um satellite was out so the GPS was off so I just stopped looking at my watch and I just focused on trying to run as fast as I could for the last 12k and so you have the word believe tattooed on your arm (laughs) yes I do I actually got that um on the day of the 10k in 2012 um, because I was sitting at home watching it with my boyfriend and I was I we always had this discussion that I was gonna get the Olympic rings tattooed on my wrist when I made the Olympic team and obviously in 2012 I missed out so I was sat there at home and I turned to him and I said I'm gonna get a tattoo today and he, he was like what <laughs> and I said yeah I, I still want to get a tattoo even if it's not the Olympic rings and he thought I was crazy and that I was making it up and I was like no let's go so we got up and I went and got a tattoo and I actually just sat in there and I didn't know what to get. Um, and then I just decided I'd get something that every time I looked at it, it would remind me of the fact that I missed the Olympic team and that I was never going to let that happen again, even though it did <laughs> in 2016. But I still look at it and it reminds me, yeah, just to work hard every day and yeah, just to believe in yourself, really. Did you think about getting another tattoo in 2016? I did, but I thought, I think I was just so annoyed by that point. (laughs) No, this is not happening again. Um, But yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't get another one. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because, like, man, the Olympics are every four years. Like, part of you think, part of me is like, four years isn't that long. But man, it's a really long time. That's a lot of seasons. So to like, for the opportunity to pass you by and think I have to work hard for four more years to make this happen again especially like 
with the way you got the you guys select the teams over there you know there's like yeah more of a like a voting type process than over here like over here it's like top three across the line uh, yeah I feel yeah. I feel like that as well it's like um obviously you're working hard every day anyway and then to come so close twice is is really hard because I felt like I did everything last the last two times but obviously last time I, I didn't actually have the time for the the British time so yeah they did actually state the time before the race mm-hmm. and I didn't have it so it was it was fair both times but sure. it's just also to come so close and like you said have the third spot left open was the worst thing because if someone had been better than me on the day and finished in the third spot and they were taking someone then I would feel like oh I wasn't good enough but to actually leave that third spot open and to have the IAAF time both both times, it's kind of like, oh, it's such a waste. Why couldn't I just go mm-hmm. anyway? But I guess they have a criteria for a reason, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, yeah. Will you get, will you still get the Olympic rings when you go to the Olympics, <laughs> whether it's this time or next? Uh, I think I will, yeah. I just, honestly, I just don't like to think about right. it. Because, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of like, oh, I don't want to jinx anything. But, yeah, I think I probably would get it. My training partner has it on her wrist, and it looks really cool. So I think I would get it. Um, And that's Sinead, who got seventh? Um, No, that's actually Susan Crummins. Um, She's from uh, Holland. So, yeah, we we have, like, a lot of internationals in our our, um, group. So it's pretty cool to train with people from all around the world. Who are the other top? British marathoners that you're competing against yeah so the two uh women that went to Rio um Ali Dixon and Sonia Samuels they're still running um so those two obviously went to Rio um I think Ali actually ran at Boston this year um I think yeah I think she ran 235 I think it was 235 um Sonia ran at London and I think she ran around 235 as well um, but the next best Brit to me at London Marathon was um, Tish Jones, who's going to the World Championships, and she ran 231. So at the moment, I'm the only one that's got the qualifier um, from this year and last year, I think, as well. I don't think anyone ran it last year. So you I could think... potentially be the only one running the marathon if you run. Potentially, if another Brit didn't run under 229, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so when you say Tish is going to the world championships, she's going to Doha too. Yep. She's going to Doha too. And then there's, um, other Brits that we have, um, Lily Partridge, she ran 229, I believe like 24, 25 last year. So she's close to the qualifier this year at London. I think she ran, um, 233 or something. So she didn't get her best this year, but last year she obviously ran, um, close to the Olympic qualifier. So she she might be able to do it this year or next year um so yeah I I think there will be another another British representative at Tokyo um but yeah I'm just trying to focus on getting myself in the team do you have dreams of running do you want to run like Boston or New York someday I know obviously in this immediate future that's not the focus yeah so last year I was actually going to run in New York because um when I missed the Europeans I thought I could turn it around and run New York Marathon but I actually didn't realize the extent of the virus and that I had to take a month off so 
there was no way I could turn it around and get back into marathon shape and do New York. So I actually had to pull out of it. But I was on the start list for New York last year. Um, so, yeah, I would love to run New York, Chicago. I always find Boston is a hard one for us because it's always around the same time as London Marathon. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I love London Marathon because it is so cool running. It's um, obviously in my home country and it's just such a great event. So I always, but I don't really feel like I'm driven to run Boston as much because it's around the same time as London. I think I would always choose London just because I love it. But yeah, definitely New York and Chicago. I'd love to run them. Yeah. After after this 2020 cycle, all all that's going on yeah. here, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I've heard you mention before that uh, one athlete you're inspired by is Shalane Flanagan, and I love hearing that. As you know, an American, we're all rooting for Shalane always. Um, what yeah. are, what are the qualities in her that you admire, and who else do you look up to in the sport? Yeah, I always remember watching um, Cara Goucher and Shalane. Um, I was just looked up to them as I was kind of transitioning to the marathon. And even when I was running the 10K, I would just always hear about them. And yeah, I'd be inspired by their performances. Just the fact that they're so competitive um, against like the Africans and stuff. That was really inspiring. Um, I remember this time, I think it was 2010, I did the World Cross Country in Spain. Oh, it's 2011, actually. It was a senior cross country and Shalane got a bronze medal and I was actually in that race and I finished fourth, 14th in that race. Um, so I was the second non-African behind Shalane and that was really cool because I was like, wow, if Shalane wasn't there, I would have been the top yeah. non-African, but she obviously got a medal. So that was like, wow, she was competing right up there in the with the top. So yeah, just since then, really, I thought that, yeah, she was really cool. Did you... You said that was 2011? Yeah, 2011. Did you, like, say hello to her? Or was she kind of like a, you know, someone like, oh, it's Shalane Flanagan kind of deal? Yeah, I think I saw her in drug testing. And I don't I don't think I <laughs> I just kind of, like, stared at her and was like, oh, my gosh, that's Shalane. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I didn't get the chance to say hello to her. So, yeah. Where is your, like, dream place to race? Like, where, like what? Other than Tokyo, obviously, and the Olympics, like, where are some dream places you'd like to race? And even if it's not the marathon, just in general. Yeah, I've always wanted to run all the marathon majors. Okay. Um, I think that would be pretty cool, whether it's as an elite or as um, just for fun once I retire from professional running. But I've always wanted to do all the marathon majors. And then... Yeah, I would just like to run marathons all around the world, really, once, even while I'm a professional. But I just think it's cool going to different places. And you get to see a lot when you're actually running the marathon. So um, that is cool as well, just to say all the places that you've been and that all the places that you've run a marathon is cool. So you run for Nike. When did you sign with them? Yeah, so I've actually been with Nike since I was 15 years old. 15? yeah so at age 15 yeah I wasn't old enough to sign an official contract so I had I was just on like a kit contract okay um and then and shoes I used to get shoes and clothes and then when I was 16 I signed my first official contract um I think my parents had to sign it as well because I was so young um but yes I've been with Nike since I was 16 
officially um so over 10 years now so that's, so that's interesting crazy. to me yeah that's interesting to me because here I don't think people really sign professionally until they're out of school so like what how does that work running like in high school and then then at the university running and you're running with Nike yeah so the contract that I signed when I was 16 wasn't a professional contract it was just for um kit and for clothes okay. um so it was basically just a contract to say I would get this much kit this year and this much and I'd wear Nike when I raced. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't till I was 18, I think, that I signed the actual proper professional contract. But in the UK, you can represent your university um, team and you can run for Nike at the same time. Oh, so, okay. you, yeah, you're not like tied down to just doing one and you can do other road races and you can get race and prize money from other road races you can do everything um so that's why at the time when I was looking for a new coach actually one of my options was potentially could I go to an American college but there was definitely no way I could go to an American college because I'd already signed with Nike Mm. and I'd already had too much um like prize money and stuff from road races so yeah I could that was just taken out of the equation for me so I never had that option that um, is interesting yeah. to me. Do you find, like, what's your opinion on that? Do you think it's beneficial compared to what we do over here where you can't do both? I- I'm so curious. Uh, I'm not sure, really. I think, obviously, over here, if you you have to fund yourself if you're um, going to university. So you obviously can get some support, but most of it, you're at university and you're running for the team and stuff, but it's, you don't get the the level of support that I think like you get over in the US. Yeah, they're not they're not as big, so you wouldn't get um, yeah, you wouldn't get like travel and you wouldn't get clothing given to you. Definitely not. You wouldn't. You'd get um to go to races and you'd get to maybe access physios, but it's not to the level that it is over there. Um, yeah, you can get don't like a, the, you don't get like a full ride where you're getting your college paid for. No, you have to still pay for yourself. Okay. Um, you can get a sports scholarship, but it's quite basic, whereas you just get the gym for free and you maybe get to see a physio for a reduced rate and stuff like that. So I think that, yeah, you don't get the level of support that you get over in the US. So a lot of athletes, obviously, from the UK do go over there just for that experience where they get the whole package and mm. they can basically live as a professional athlete, but they're obviously doing college as well. Uh, whereas in the UK, I actually had a job when I was at university because I was try- I had to work as well because um, I was earning some money doing road races, but it wasn't I-, I couldn't pay for everything. So, yeah, I worked as a personal trainer in the gym and I was doing university and I was trying to run. So, yeah, it was it's a lot harder, I think, over here. That is learn something new every day. <laughs> I can't be yeah. the only one listening to this that has just learned something new. Yeah, it is a lot different. Um, But then obviously when, if you're in the US, I guess, when you leave college, you have to either sign a professional contract or I don't know, you have, I don't know what happens to you after if you don't sign a professional contract. But in the UK, um, if you don't sign a professional contract, you kind of just carry on as you are because you've already, you can still run the same races that you were running before. You just have to get a job and support yourself, which a lot of athletes over here do anyway. So so many athletes um, that run over here, they also have a full-time job. So they're already doing doing it. Yeah. 
What if you weren't running right now? What kind of job would you do? Would you be um, interested in? I did a history degree. Okay. But I don't think I don't know if I'd use it. I think me and my boyfriend set up a coaching. Um, we do like online coaching for running, so we really enjoy that. So I don't know if I would go. I probably would go into more the coaching or personal training routes. Um i did used to work as a personal trainer so i do enjoy doing that just basically out of enjoyment i enjoy the coaching i like yeah coaching our athletes and i also like personal training so yeah something to do with that i think what what's your boyfriend's story with running and how did you guys meet um yeah so we actually met at university um in our first year we're in we were in the same year and we both lived in the same like runners accommodation they put all the athletes in the same accommodation so yeah, we were in the same kind of house. So that's how we met. And then, yeah, we've been together seven years now. Oh, wow. So, yeah, a long time. Um, but yeah, he runs as well. So he runs the 5k and the 1500. Um, and yeah, he has done a few cool things. Like in 2016, he got the opportunity to go to the holding camp for the Olympics to pace Mo Farah. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so they were looking for someone who could pace Mo in all his workouts and so they asked Adam um because he was a good standard athlete but he wasn't going to make the Olympic team so they said to him there's this opportunity to go to I think they went to Japan or maybe that was the world champs the year before but he did both the world champs and the Olympics so two years in a row he went to the training camp before um the worlds and Rio and he paced Mo in all of his workouts he obviously couldn't run the whole Sure. Effort. So if Mo, if Mo had like 1k repeats, Adam would do like 600 meters or something and then he would drop out and then go back in. But just so Mo had someone to run with. Um, that's yeah, so cool. that's, yeah, that's really cool. So, but yeah, now we set up our own coaching business. So we're both doing that as well as running. Um, yeah. So you do it together, like it's your business together. Yeah, it's called Purdue Performance, but we do it together. Um, Adam does a lot of it and just basically because I'm always traveling around but he does more of like the business side of things and then yeah we do the actual coaching together so yeah it's really fun I love it so do you know Mo Farah too then uh yeah I do know him obviously he's Nike athlete and I've raced against well not against him but I raced <laughs> um I did a half marathon in March and that was technically against him because we were on the same start line uh -huh. and then the women started together so yeah um he was he's always on the training camps that I go on and stuff so yeah I do know him Cool. Is he like as charismatic and friendly <laughs> as we all perceive him to be? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's very friendly. <laughs> he always is up for having a laugh. And yeah, you never know what he's going to do. He's <laughs> always so unpredictable. Yeah. What do you love to do outside of running? Um. So now a lot of my time when I'm not training is taken up doing the coaching, which I do really enjoy. So it takes my mind off. I'm kind of one of these people that can't sit still so when I yeah. finish training even though I should be resting I'm always thinking like oh what could I do now or which coffee shop shall I walk to or you know should I go to the supermarket I just can't sit still so having the coaching actually is good because it takes my mind off having to rest I just sit down and it's all online so all our clients are online so I can just yeah do sit down and do that for a couple of hours but yeah just traveling I love traveling and going to different places for training camps and stuff like that yeah have you always been a looked up to Paula Ratcliffe as a fellow British runner 
Yeah, 100%. I just find her performance, like, amazing. <laughs> um, when I finished London and I ran 2.25, obviously, that I, that was, I had nothing left on the line. And I just thought to myself, how, Paula's run 2.15, it's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, 10 minutes down the road. She would have finished when I was at, yeah, halfway through mile 24, I think. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> she would have, yeah, it's so crazy, so fast. Um, so, yeah, definitely look up to her. And she's also always at the races yeah because um, she does a lot of commentary now so I'll see her in the hotel and stuff and she'll say like oh good luck tomorrow Charlotte um, so that's yeah that's really cool yeah I was wondering that like because she's a decent amount older than you and you got to kind of like grow, yeah. grow up watching her career so like to know that someone like Paula Ratcliffe is commentating on your <laughs> races and like following your career that's so cool yeah it's cool and in 2017, we went to a place called Font Rameau um, in France, in the Pyrenees, for training. And she obviously always used to train there for her marathons and stuff. So she actually came over um, with her husband, Gary, and they were both there, like, helping out with the the British team, really, because we were preparing for the World Champs. And, yeah, it was just cool. I'd see her in the supermarket and stuff. <laughs> and then her husband, Gary, actually helped me out with a few workouts. He cycled the bike on the track when I was running rounds um he helped out me myself and Ali Dixon so that was that was cool they're they're really helpful and yeah cool to have around as well that's so cool okay I have really enjoyed learning more about running in the UK and what that experience is like like so thank you for sharing that with us thanks that's okay um let's do into the podcast questions yep what is one thing professionally or personally that you haven't done yet that you'd like to do? Um, definitely run in the Olympics. <laughs> I had a feeling that was going to be your answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, what's an accomplishment you're most proud of? Um, oh, that's a good one. Um, I'm thinking of two that you might say, but I'm, I'm wondering if you'll surprise me. I think coming as high up as I did in the world championships was in the marathon was, um, a big achievement. Um, so I am proud. And obviously it was in London as well. So I am really, really proud of that. But yeah, this year was good. <laughs> London marathon, um, coming the third fastest British woman was probably the best. <laughs> uh, and on that note, two twenty five thirty eight. what's the, what's now the fourth fastest time? Do you know? Um, it might be Liz McColgan who ran two, 26 but I'm not 100% sure you had a Um, you had a decent gap there then yeah I'm not sure if someone ran to 25 50 or something um okay but I can't remember their name but I know Liz was around there so maybe she's fifth or something okay and we all know the first fastest time is Paula's 215 what's the second fastest time now uh Mara Yamuchi she actually uh represented Great Britain at the 2012 Olympics and she finished second in the London Marathon when she ran that time oh wow um so she ran 223 223 12 yeah 223 yeah all right so you have two and a half minutes now yeah two and a half minutes you can trying. do it yeah I just don't think I'm gonna get to the top though <laughs> oh 215 I mean, yeah never say never never say never that's, <laughs> that's gonna be really 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 tough to it's, run 215 it's so um, crazy so, yeah I'm setting my goals on becoming second fastest second. British woman. Yeah. That's awesome. That's good. That's it. Well, you got to step anyway. You got to do, you got to step up to, 
to the next level first. So that's, that's a good exactly. stepping stone. What, if you could have coffee, tea, or cocktail with someone fun, motivating, or inspiring, who would it be? Um, maybe the queen. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that would be pretty cool. Um, I don't know. I guess no one ever says her, so yeah. I think she'd be cool to have coffee with. <laughs> I don't know what she would say, but yeah, I think the queen. You do coffee, not tea? Yeah, I do. I, I'm not a proper British person because I, I really <laughs> hate tea. I honestly hate tea. I never drink it. So I'm coffee all the way. Oh, man. Would you be intimidated to have coffee with her? Uh, yeah, I think I don't know what I would say to her. And I'd probably be worried about accidentally swearing or something. <laughs> um, saying something that I regret. Um, yeah, no, I don't know what I would say to her. <laughs> I would be scared. What's the best, most recent book you've read? Um, I actually read Dina Castor's book, which I thought was really good. Um, I enjoyed reading that. I read it last year, but I think that was the best book that I've read in a while. Another runner, I assume, that you probably look up yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then what, Charlotte, is one message you'd like to send to the world? Um, I think just never give up because I've had so many setbacks in my career and not in life, but in my career particularly. Um, and I just think that every time you come back from it, you just get a little bit stronger. So I think if, yeah, just to never give up. Love it. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm so excited to share this conversation with the listeners. Thanks. Yeah, it's really cool to be on the podcast because like I said, I always listen. So um, when you emailed me, I was like, wow, this is so cool. <laughs> oh, well, that just like makes me the happiest person ever. So <laughs> I really appreciate that you even I can't believe a 225 marathoner is even listening. And that just makes me feel really special. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Good luck. We'll be cheering for you in Doha. And I can't wait to hear. Uh, I won't say when, but if you get picked, but I think you're going to. Thank you. Okay. Have a great day, Charlotte. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. That'll do it for today. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Charlotte, for coming on the show. Make sure you guys are following Charlotte. She's Charlotte Purdue on Instagram. Find me on Instagram as well. I'm lindsayhine626. If you're looking for other ways to support the show, you can do that over on Patreon, patreon.com slash lindsayhine, where you'll get bonus episodes and the opportunity to support the podcast. And the other great way to support the show is leaving a rating and review and make sure you're subscribed. I appreciate you listening so much. If you're local to Indy, I hope that you'll consider joining the training program. We're going to have so much fun with it. It's going to be a great community we're building over there. Head over to the show notes, lindsayhine.com for more information on that, as well as the virtual training plans and group as well. Thank you all so much for being here. I really, really appreciate you. And I'm so thankful I get to do this every single week. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great Friday, a wonderful rest of the weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.